This is Dialogue, a podcast series from American Mosaic. This episode uh, is taking a little different uh, approach. Uh, We all know uh, where we are today uh, with uh, COVID-19. No matter where you are uh, in the country or in the world for that matter, uh, somehow or another uh, it's affecting our lives and uh, we're dealing with it. Um, What I wanted to do is to start uh, having some conversations on the subject uh, with uh, people in uh, some different parts of the country, uh, wherever possible, uh, whoever might uh, have a conversation with me. Uh, This episode, uh, I'm talking uh, with uh, Karen, uh, who lives in New York. Uh, She has been in New York uh, for a very long time, and she has been in the city, and she is currently uh, in uh, upstate uh, New York. So she's out of uh, the city and uh, the lockdown there, but nevertheless, uh, she's also in a restricted uh, living situation. Uh, New York has uh, become a focus now uh, because uh, certainly in the last week uh, and maybe two weeks uh, because of the rising number uh, of uh, cases and uh, the death toll is going up and uh, I think uh, we're aware that it's not going to maybe peak for another two or three weeks. Um, Anyway, I wanted to uh, kind of get a little firsthand uh, what people are thinking Uh, close to their situation because uh, many of us, uh, we read about New York, we haven't been to New York, Uh, we think of New York as New York City and it's kind of like two New Yorks. There's New York City and then there's New York State and uh, the state itself is uh, not so dense, it's rural areas, there's agriculture and uh, it's quite beautiful. This is an episode I'm talking uh, with Karen, and she has uh, worked in uh, the creative uh, field uh, for publications, uh, working with uh, content, uh, design, and uh, copy uh, over the years for a magazine such as uh, Sports Illustrated, and uh, right now uh, she's uh, working uh, with Forbes. So the, this is what follows uh, my conversation uh, with Karen. It's, it's interesting to me, okay, it, you know, we're all aware of New York. New York has become uh, the hot place, and, uh, you know, we're getting, uh, and I do love, uh, you know, the, the, the daily uh, briefings from the governor from Cuomo. It's, I mean, uh, he's sounding so leader, so presidential, so on top of things, uh, which is truly amazing and necessary. He's a tactician. He's in command, and like he said, he feels that people do feel better when they know the facts. And I, I go to him religiously and wait for the session to start every day because um, I was telling a friend, like, people would hang on Churchill's radio broadcasts, right, during the war for encouragement, and I feel like... Cuomo has definitely won quite a following, and it's not, um, it's because he's a leader. He he is filling a vacuum of leadership for us right now, so. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, uh, 
what's really happening? I know that you're not actually in the city, but I know that you have contact with people and uh, whatever, but what's really happening in the city right now? Uh, well, it's really tough. I mean, I lived in on the Upper West Side near the Museum of Natural History. Um, came to New York in the late 70s and worked there and absolutely loved it. And I, I so identify with New York. I... I moved from New York to Hoboken, across the river, and I was there for eight years. I still have the studio, a work office there, um, but through this whole chunk of time of living in New York and Hoboken, I've had a home upstate, which has been like a, a wonderful, wonderful place. There's a lake, it's the Catskills, um, it's gone through all kinds of phases, right? I mean, there was the 50th anniversary of Woodstock last summer, and so a lot of cool um, nostalgic uh, uh, events were held, but it's it's been a wonderful place for a lot of people to actually start to live outside of the city um, because of the internet, because of the ability to telecommute. Um, so it's offered a lot of people a kind of a you know, a different lifestyle with on, only a hundred miles from New York, which is great. What I know, um, being that I'm very tied to New York and Hoboken, and I've been actually, most recently um, was hired at Forbes, which is in Jersey City. Um, I was religiously going back and forth um, between Metro New York and the Catskills. And so I had to really follow. I mean, I have so many people that I know, of course, that are still there, that I work with, et cetera. And I've been following all of the lockdowns and the, the progression of the threat in two, I mean, actually three communities, um, New York itself, um, Hoboken, which is a little uh, principality, <laughs> and then New Jersey in general, and then also the Catskills, New York State. So um, I would say, to be honest, I mean, Hoboken, they call it the fourth or the fifth densest city in the U.S. Um, the only thing that he did early on was lock it down. He made the residents um, even even more strictly so than New York did. I know the governor and the mayor of New York um, were arm wrestling for quite a while. I think Cuomo was letting de Blasio make some of the calls there because he didn't want to completely immobilize the city. That's a really tough thing to do. It really means, as the governor put it, very difficult to get in and out. I mean, for aid, it caused a lot of logistical problems to do that. So by degree, they were trying to enforce um, containment, you know, asking residents in the city to stop going out, to maintain the six-foot distance, etc. And when you're living in a very dense community like New York City, being out on the sidewalk, walking, you know, shoulder to shoulder with everyone is 
it's something that people are very proud of. Uh, it's part of the life style there. I mean, daily visits to your local grocers, you know, your pub, your markets. Um, there's a real neighborhood feel and, and life there in, in so many districts of the city, which, um, I mean, I'm a Midwesterner and I moved to Paris and I got that sense, that urban lifestyle, um, you know, introduction there. And then I moved to New York and it was something that I was always enjoyed immensely and really in a sense become fiercely proud of it. Um, so that's a tough thing for people to give up there. Um, that was the challenge um, when you were asking about was it hard for people. It has been definitely hard. Um, there are those who actually, I would say they, not they were, that they were disbelievers, but they were very reticent to comply with those, um, I'm like calling them edicts. Um, these new guidelines that they were being asked to observe were um, for a lot of people very difficult to comply with. So they still wanted to congregate in parks. Um, I mean, like I say, by degree, things are being shut down and the most recent shut down now by the mayor de Blasio has been to close playgrounds, but he will allow people to congregate in open spaces if they maintain the six foot apart rule. So I have to say, if you think of life, of all of your options in life being only that you could go out for a walk, um, that's extremely limiting and it's a hard thing to enforce. I have been in close touch with a friend who lives in Florence and they've been, of course, in lockdown since I think the first week of March. They are allowed only to go out for 30 minutes maximum at a time and it's only to go to the pharmacy or to go and get food. And they have imposed um, strict fines on people, like 4,000 euros if you're out. I mean, they have to carry paper, papers, too. Um, and so they do impose fines on people. So it's interesting to see culturally um, what's acceptable. I mean, the way the officials do and can work with people to help impose these unusual uh, you know, their lifestyle altering, but they are so critical. Um, the containment and the cooperation with the people is so critical to, of course, controlling um, the curve that everyone's worried about. Yeah, I was just wondering about, uh, I, I, I can imagine the disruption, and I can imagine uh, it's been a while since I have been to New York City, but uh, I'm sure... Some things have changed, but many things remain the same. Uh, and it's all, uh, it's the density, it's the people, it's the energy, uh, uh, it's, it's, the little, it's the little markets, and it's all that, um, that mix of people. Right. right. And, and I know that uh, 
part of their life is being out and in, in, in it. Uh, it's not being contained inside. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, so I can imagine how difficult this is. How about uh, just, uh, I'm thinking of things, uh, okay, uh, how do people, how are they coping with uh, getting their food and, and, and things that they, you know, they need just to sustain life? Because you can't just say, I'm closing the door and not going out. You, you still need... Uh, well... I can give you a couple of examples. I have a good friend um, who I worked with at Sports Illustrated. Um, he has a family. He has two girls. And he lives in Brooklyn. His wife and two girls. The girls have not been outside. They stay indoors. He goes out and does the shopping. And it's a big deal to do that. I mean, everything is planned. You make limited uh, trips out to shop and of course you're observing that six foot distance I mean it's uh, it's a bit strange I mean I've done that too upstate um, but you know there are no food is not allowed to be out and open like salad bars uh, I mean it has altered what is available I mean there are of course strict guidelines on bringing groceries home with you, like how to, how to take your shoes off, your coats off, dismantle clothing that you've worn outside. You don't want to track it into your home. You know, leaving it um, at the door, how to take food out of packaging, how to wipe it, wash it, transfer it, put it away. I mean, th these are all guidelines that some of them sound very laborious. Um, some people are following them to the letter. But it, um, it's a pretty frightening and insidious virus, in, in my opinion. And I don't think people really can take chances. Of course, people are wearing masks and gloves as well. Is this um, sort of bringing people together? Uh, I have, for some reason, I have a sense of uh, New York as uh, being a place where uh, people think of themselves as being New Yorkers. And um, so is this kind of rallying people um, to survive, kind of do the right thing, uh, or, is this, uh, or is this sort of dividing people? What, what do you think? What's, what, what's going on there with, with that? different aspects to it some that do unite and some that divide but I would say on the whole the greater activity is is a uniting of people so many people are coming forward to support the healthcare workers um, helping them cope with shortages of equipment you know, the gloves, the masks, the gowns. Um, people are finding and sourcing from local hardware stores boxes of masks that, you know, three of them, you know, like construction masks and whatnot. I mean, and they're, they're giving them up. I mean, in that respect, you know, it's huge. It's, but it's very heartwarming. And, of course, you can't, well, you can't have direct contact with everybody through social media, 
people are putting out the call that this hospital, these doctors, um, the entities need support. So people are also, there's a group called FLAG um, that is going out and sourcing um, funding from neighborhoods and they're putting together money and going to restaurants that have shut down, but they are allowed to deliver carryouts. So they're purchasing on the behalf of police departments, fire departments, medical personnel. They are bringing them lunches. So there's, out of the economy that has stopped, I mean, people are also very conscious of, um, you know, the economic fallout that remains to be seen and trying to keep small businesses alive as well. So that's the cool thing about where you would have gone to your local cafe, restaurant, or whatever. They're trying to help out and keep those people, you know, with some semblance of the business open. I mean, most of them had to lay off a lot of their staff. It's really tough. So rather than, than go completely under, and like you say, people do do need to eat. I mean, I think <laughs> they carry out business has always been a, a real staple of New York life. Like, who cooks? Everybody's too busy, right? So some of that, um, you know, there's how, in what ways can you socialize right now? That's, that's one. You can have an interaction with still going to carry out dinner, um, interact in that way. So I think um, I... There are a lot of very heartwarming stories where people are connecting in other ways. And social media, you know, saves the day here again, too, to be honest, um, because it is allowing people to communicate and arrange these, um, you know, campaigns to support one another. That's interesting to me that uh, social media uh, before this was kind of going in this not very good direction and and all of a sudden uh, it's become a, kind of a lifeline right now for people. It's the only way that people can kind of stay in touch and uh, and talk well, and communicate. Well, I have I have um, a few grandchildren and I have play dates with them <laughs> via FaceTime, right? I mean, it's strange. I mean, we didn't do that before, but we are now. And they're really good at it. I mean, it's amazing how how good my granddaughter is with her camera angles <laughs> and her iPhone. I mean, she's four, and she really is adept, and I'm very impressed. I don't know how she learned this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... You know, the internet and social media, I mean, that's a huge prickly uh, topic. Um, we all know, you know, there are a lot of pluses and minuses. I mean, there's no going back, can't live without it. But like you say, um, it can be a great tool for people to use it for good, um, which we're seeing, which that's you know, what I prefer to. I'm mindful of the opposite, but in these crises, it's. It's been very helpful. You know, I, I want to kind of stay on the New York thing a little bit because um, I know that a lot of people um, in the U.S., 
because it's a very big country. Um, there are many people who have never been to New York. Um, and I think uh, there's an idea that New York is New York City, and when in fact uh, there's so much more to New York City. I mean, when you go upstate and you go to the different places, and, and perhaps where, where you're now living, um, and you, just uh, tell me a little bit about uh, just a quick thing about about New York, and uh, you know, cut, there's and it's got to be even different politics, different ideas, different thinking. Uh, uh, I'm sure maybe the city is, might be generally kind of liberal, and I bet you can go to some areas and it gets conservative very quick. Um, talk to me a little, just a little bit about that. New York State is vast, um, and it's very beautiful. Um, like you said, I mean, I think people, there are a lot of people who haven't been to New York who live in New York State. I mean, which I find surprising because I'm just intellectually curious and I would encourage everyone to go to New York. It's a, it's a great experience. Um, very unlike where most people who live in New York, I mean, very different than the day-to-day. -day. But, you know, there are industries... Um, well, farming is actually coming back. I was going to say lumbering. I mean, there have been industries that have been hurt, um, are diminished, and have changed the economy. Um, there are actually large, older farms that are finding it hard, I think, to keep going. But what has been coming up... Um, as people can move out, um, you know, local farming, food co-ops. I just went to the Catskill Food Hub today and bought all of these wonderful goods in a box. You know, we all had our masks and gloves. But I, but for my part, I think it's very important to support the the dairy farmers. You know, the maple harvesters. I bought eggs. Um, dairy cheeses and whatnot. I mean, again, you know, because I'm out in the city, this is another effort here upstate to keep local farmers um, who want to grow organics. What is also wonderful, I mean, our state has a huge uh, mandate for a renewable energy portfolio. The governor's been very aggressive about that as well. So I like to think that New York really is a progressive state in that respect, that it's pragmatic, um, good tax incentives for wind and solar, kind of makes for a diverse, um, I mean, like I say, it's huge. It's not New England, which I love. There are lots of still like historic towns, university towns, Cornell, which is in ups, upstate in the Finger Lakes, um, some major important schools. Uh. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's good to hear because um, again, I just uh, there's uh, there's New York and then there's New York State. I guess that's kind of what it is. You had mentioned something about you've been there long enough. Did you, I think you said to me you experienced nine eleven. Oh yes, yeah. Um, Okay, 9-11 was uh, kind of a, it was a New York event, but it was a uh, U.S., a country response event, uh, and, and maybe it had uh, reached uh, globally. 
but um, some people have said, or, or they do some a comparison, uh, what's going through, what's happening now in New York or 9-11, uh, kind of two different things, but maybe there's some similar. Talk to me a little bit about the 9-11 experience. Because it was very local, it's different than the pandemic in that as it rolls out, it is affecting everyone directly. There were a lot of people who experienced 9-11, I'd say, indirectly. While I feel that the entire country empathized with what happened and New Yorkers, it was a terrific blow to anyone living in New York because we all literally were touched by it. It was no six degrees of separation. We were all first degree contact with people that were lost. And frankly, I couldn't go down <laughs> World Trade. I went down there for the first time two years ago. It was such a painful memory for me what had happened to New York. So again, it was an act of terrorism. This is something completely different and it is global. It is insidious and my hope is that the various countries, as people do race together to look for a vaccine, to go through all of the testing required, that there really does need to be a global response to halting this virus. As opposed to, I mean, halting terrorism you know everyone kind of has maybe a political opinion on that and I think that this the a virus is common to every living being on the planet and this has to be a united front I think you know for mankind to come together like you say what you know I don't know that you asked the question but what could come of it this, as I feel, is an opportunity for people to come together, regardless of politics. I mean, we do need to be united on this. There's no taking a position. We, we have to be united on it. Yeah, I think um, that's, that to me is interesting, uh, what might happen um, when we kind of when we come out of this, uh, how we come out of it, uh, what are we going to look like? Um, mm. um, just uh, and my thought is that uh, things may be a little bit different, um, and I, that makes me wonder. Like, do you think that um, this is going to be a little bit different for New York? You know, at the end of this, is this going to is this going to change? Uh, thinking in New York a little bit. Uh, and maybe there's a little residual, maybe it'll, everything will go back to the way it was, but um, what do you think, uh, what's going to happen when we're kind of out of this? And I think there's also going to be a financial uh, event that is going to last way longer than perhaps the health event, 
but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I know when I listen to the governor again, um, like, it's tough to predict. I'm in agreement with him. I mean, he's, he's the expert, and I can say that I would tend to agree with him, but so much we really don't know. I do think that, I mean, if I listen to my son, who's a professional uh, working in the renewable energy sector with a home office in Manhattan, I, I think a lot of businesses will reconsider needing to be in New York um, because we've all been forced to work remotely. I mean, remote work forces are totally doable. The technology is there. We were caught unawares, um, but like we're doing with Zoom, I mean, everyone's on Zoom right now. I mean, kids are learning um, from home. They're basically doing homeschooling, you know, with provided curriculums and guidance there, but it may, I think definitely one of the effects will be more flexibility, which actually started to come into play following 9-11. When I was working for Time Inc., Sports Illustrated, um, involved in more of the technology um, operations surrounding publishing, I mean, we, we started having remote work sites, we did disaster recovery drills. I mean, it was like back when I was little and we were doing um, like air raid drills, you know, and then that all fell off, right? Like, <laughs> we're safe, it's not going to happen, and we forget all of that. So like now, you know, we people can do. I, I think distributed work, the place, um, decentralization, will really become more of the norm. I mean, it's there, but I don't know if some of that is like the cafe life where it's very wonderful to, to be working and have your colleagues, right? You want to socialize. You don't want to all be working from home. And it's wonderful to connect with conferencing, you know, but um, it doesn't replace the proximity of human communication, which... Um, that's such a topic right now for people. Having the absence of contact and being forced to live indoors and without, uh, we're experiencing a deprivation in a sense that is very uncomfortable and we're trying to function well while feeling that. I think it's, uh, yes, it's interesting to me the the things that, and, and we've all seen this, depends on wh whatever social media platform or whatever you're looking at is everybody's posting things about uh, how they're working from home or how they cooked a meal or, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like, uh, it, it's this discovery of, uh, I guess, our homes, uh, but since we're kind of stuck in them 24-7, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's an interesting thing. Um, I also think that, uh, I think you just said this, uh, we're sort of reaching out and, and wanting to communicate more now than perhaps we did before in a different way. It has a different meaning maybe right now. I think that it's precious. I mean, it really is. Um, there, There's a practice in Europe where 
They shut down in August. Everybody stops, which I think is a fabulous idea. I wish we could do it here. And in some of my workplaces, we've had one week, like around Christmas, New Year's, where we'd shut down. And that's a great... When you know that everything has stopped and you come back, um, it's kind of a timeout, so to speak. This is a major, major timeout for all of us. And I think it does provide um, a lot of people with an opportunity to reflect on, on quite a bit on the preciousness of life, the fragility of life. Um, you know, because we're, we're facing our mortality now, like every day, you know, I'm not going to say every minute, but it's very, it's pervasive right now. So it has to give people a lot to think about. And I, you know, hopefully, um, I mean, I'm sitting in on a meeting tomorrow, um, with Forbes, it's a town hall, and we're going to talk. I mean, I'm interested to hear what they have to say. Um, I mean, will the workplace be altered? Um, but they have been, you know, very caring and want to support people through this, too, which has been very admirable to acknowledge that it's, you know, it, that it's, unusual times and it becomes very difficult to um, to focus I have to say to pick up and not miss a beat in a work environment when you've been totally disruptive it speaks to any organization to have um, a culture a work culture that that could provide for an emergency like this, I would say, where you have communications in place, um, you have relationships in place. Um, it's a difficult thing, and I think a, a lot of businesses will, what a lot of businesses are going through, I know, mine and, and others that are smaller, um, that, that need to keep on going. The yeah. financial sector. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, day to day, right? It's, um, well, if you want to talk about finances. Yeah. Um, that, that's something I think we'll um, be learning uh, about, uh, you know, as this progresses. I really appreciate uh, this conversation because you've said some things uh, from your perspective. Being... Um, in a place where um, just the, the sheer numbers and the volume of what's happening. But I think, you know, there's, it's interesting to me that there was an excellent uh, uh, data base that's been published. Uh, it was actually developed uh, near me, the University of Washington, but it's on a daily basis and it, it shows a lot of... Um, uh, projections, but if you, if you go around the country, there's some places you know in the middle of the country, and some places that aren't experiencing, uh, you know, the uh, the level, uh, the intensity of of what's going on, and 
Which is kind of why, again, uh, I like this conversation because uh, if anybody listens to this that, say, uh, happens to be uh, in Kansas or, uh-huh. or in Nebraska or uh, someplace where uh, it doesn't seem like it's quite as, as, as big or as large uh, an issue. No. This is going to affect everybody, and it does, because we're all kind of tied together. And I guess that's one of the problems that we we have uh, kind of as a country. We've been so polarized, so divisive, and um, I guess my personal hope is that maybe this kind of brings us more together, and we can set aside some of our divisiveness. And as you said, uh, we've got to solve this together. In so many communities, I mean, I find it fascinating to learn that one, it takes one person, oh, like in Jamaica, okay, one person from Jamaica went to a wedding in the UK and brought it back to Jamaica. These are maybe like random acts. Any community in the United States, we're mobile. And you could have a student, someone who works, you know, travels for work, someone goes to a wedding. That's all it takes to be in, to introduce the virus um, into the community. So I don't. And today the governor pointed out one county and the whole of New York State is clear. <laughs> you know, for how long will that be? But. It really travels fast. Um, So, like you say, and people do say this, that it does point out quite clearly how interconnected we are. And it's a global interconnection. It's not New York City alone or New Jersey alone. I mean, we, we are all literally in this together, and it is something that is not going away. Um, They do need to find a vaccine for it because it's gonna be here and um, it'll come back. So it does need to be a global effort and people do need to keep in mind that this event does affect us all. So I think that's really important. I mean, social media has brought us together. But this is physical. This really does bind us. I mean, that's, you know, that's such a difference where people feel they have some insularity because it's it's an idea that they can embrace or reject. But this is physical. And there, I mean, there are 18,000 confirmed cases as of today and 1,400 dead. Um, when we're out of this, what are your thoughts about, uh, I, I mean, we are going to get past this at some point. Um, yep. We don't know when or we don't know what the casualties will be, um, but uh, what do you hope for when we're um, out of this? Well, the, I mean, when you say out, um, the tough thing is that, I mean, it's like the, it's a rolling event you know as as we go through it here and it extends out 
as we go through our apex, um, we start to flatten. Other communities are springing up simultaneously. We're all at different stages simultaneously. So it's, it's going to be with us as a nation for quite a while. Um, that's the top thing. And then I think, well, I mean, today's projections are that we might be flat by July or August here in New York. So that's a long time. I mean, people were looking at two weeks. I mean, it, they were unrealistic hopes, I think, uh, that it would be shorter-lived. Um, so it, as it will extend out, um, when will we have um, a time when we could look at resuming various activities? It, it, I mean, it's hard to project on that until we're to the flats. I mean, simultaneously, they want to start up businesses to a degree that it's safe to do that. I mean, the theory is that there are some people who are less vulnerable, but that is debunked every hour. When I read about an infant that was six weeks old who died, and teenagers and young adults, it, it really isn't an old person's disease as a lot of people were trying to dismiss it originally. So. I find it kind of hard to imagine how, I mean, it, it is surreal to grasp with what is happening. And I mean, I would hope for a time when various communities can see, you know, the end of, I mean, of the progression that there is a, a flat zone um, I mean, schools in the area are not going to open until September, basically shuttered here. So it's a, it's a long-term situation. It's unlike anything that we've experienced. And, um, it, you know, day by day, I think it becomes, in a sense, easier to accept the, the reality that it will take a long time. And then... No one can predict what the long-term tolls will be on, on so much. It's, it's really very big. My being up here right now, I mean, it's beautiful. And I, I can't believe that there is this parallel reality going on at the same time. I'm very mindful of people who don't have the ability like I do to wake up in the morning and see beautiful sunshine in the woods here and I I know that there are a lot of people suffering so I my heart goes out to everyone and I'm praying for everyone and hoping that this that this will pass for a little while. But um, I mean I, I feel lucky to be where I am right now. That's it for uh, this episode of uh, Dialogue uh, from an American Mosaic. Uh, in these difficult times uh, right now, uh, talking and uh, communication is uh, more important than ever. 
uh, I think everyone needs to start talking and uh, reach out and perhaps have conversations with people that you may not have had uh, contact with before. Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, appreciate your listening. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, whatever uh, platform or app uh, you're listening on, uh, if you can give a like or a comment, uh, would be appreciated. Uh, and subscribe if possible. Thank you for listening.